Suzuki working in, right side, saved by Leonard. Rebound, another stop Leonard. Puck into the slot. Toffoli shoots, stopped by Robin Leonard, and the rebound goes wide. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Nolan Patrick comes in, drops it off, out and shoots, he scores! The former Ranger! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace Millard Chapman live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215 home of the... Big couple of games for the uh, Knights as they embark on this two-game trip to Edmonton and Calgary. Back-to-back games. They'll uh, wrap up the journey tomorrow night in Calgary. Tonight uh, against Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, we talked last night that the, the Oilers and the Flames have games in hand. And points percentage, uh, the records are somewhat similar. But if Vegas can record a win against Edmonton, be the first win in three tries, they would uh, provide a little bit of separation uh, between themselves and the clubs from Alberta and uh, double their lead, uh, which right now is two points atop the Pacific Division over Los Angeles and Anaheim. So right out of the gate, coming off the All-Star weekend, uh, we hit the ground running with uh, two really critical games. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is uh, it, it's right back to action for the Vegas Golden Knights and their big games in within their own division. And you know, when you look at where the Calgary Flames are right now and, and just kind of the idea of the Golden Knights being tops in the Pacific Division, if Calgary wins their games in hand, if they kind of stick at around the points percentage that they've been at, it's kind of 1-2 right now with Vegas and Calgary. And, you know, the Edmonton Oilers, they're not too far behind where the Calgary Flames are right now. So uh, these four points for the Vegas Golden Knights are incredibly important. Uh, Edmonton tonight, so you've got Dreisaitl, you've got McDavid, but you also have Mike Smith, who will start for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, he hasn't played uh, goal in more than a month as he's battled a thumb injury. And Robin Leonard, will, uh, we're expecting to counter for the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, an intriguing matchup there, but also from a team point of view. Like, Vegas was really good going into the break, uh, coming off that uh, five points and eight uh, available road trip uh, through Carolina and Washington and the state of Florida and then wrapping it up with the convincing win over the Buffalo Sabres. And Edmonton has been equally as good, 5-0-1 in their last six after one of the most horrendous stretches in franchise history. And they've saved their season uh, to a, a large extent. So both teams uh, maybe would have preferred just to keep playing instead of having the all-star break. But uh, instead, we'll have to regroup after a couple of days off. Here's Pete DeBoer uh, just on his approach coming out of the all-star break. Well, I think any time you're coming out of any kind of extended breaks, um, you know, first off, both teams in the same situation, and, and usually the smarter team uh, wins. You know, stay out of the box, don't turn pucks over, don't beat yourself. Easier said than done, uh, but uh, we had a good skate yesterday, a good practice, and, you know, guys are ready to get back. Uh, Vegas is 0-2 against Edmonton this year. Both games at the Fortress uh, lost 5-3, and they lost 3-2. Oh, the first uh, game that they lost uh, in which they uh, allowed five goals, that was in that 1-4 and four start. 
and it just we know that that wasn't the the regular Vegas team. It was almost like they were uh, in a state of shock because of all the players that were going down on a period-by-period basis. And then right before Vegas turned it around, and while Edmonton was still uh, on its high, uh, late November, this is when Edmonton was playing its best hockey of the year. And they were first place in the National Hockey League, and it was a 3-2 game. Now, I point out the results here because Vegas didn't pick up a point in either one of those games, but they fired 39 and 38 shots on the Mm -hmm. Edmonton Oilers' goal. And in the second game, that was the first time all year that McDavid and Dreisaitl were both kept off the score sheet. So, well, it says 0-2 in the record. I, I can sell you really easily that the Golden Knights deserved a, a lot better fate in those two games, even though one was in the uh, early stages of that uh, really uh, shocking start to the season, and the other one was uh, when, when Edmonton was playing its best hockey of the year. Yeah, I mean, I'm here for that argument for sure. And when you look at, you know, the fact that the Golden Knights were able to shut down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, they were able to effectively take those two players out of the game, not allow them to impact the outcome. That is, uh, that's a good sign for the Golden Knights and, and one that you're hoping, right, that the, the Vegas Golden Knights can replicate here tonight. You got to be, a, you have to, to shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl to give yourself a chance to win or at least minimize the impact that they can have on the score sheet and for the golden knights they they have confidence in their ability to shut those two players down i think they've done a good job of that over the the two games Uh, and they'll get their Mm -hmm. points but if you can keep them uh silenced for one complete game and you generate the amount of chances that they did that's a pretty positive starting point and then you get a really healthy lineup back Uh, once again here's pete DeBoer on what Vegas has to do better against the Oilers in this third matchup. Well, for sure. I mean, that that seems like a lifetime ago when we when we last saw them and played them. I think we're, we're both in different places than we were then. But, uh, you know, we, we need to win games down the stretch here. We're obviously, you know, there's a lot of hockey left to be played and a lot of positioning still to be figured out in the uh, division. Think about what they're going to do in this period that the National Hockey League had reserved for the Olympic break. They're going to face Edmonton and Calgary. Edmonton just outside the playoff picture, but coming and starting to look like the team that was first overall in early December. Uh, Calgary's been on a heater. Then it's Colorado, who just recently had that uh, home uh, winning streak snapped, and uh, they have just recorded points uh, like, uh, like a custom combine going through the, the wheat field in, in early uh, September, just mowing it down. And L.A. and Los Angeles is two points back of, of the Golden Knights for first place as we enter play today. Four critical games, two on the road in Alberta, two at home. You can't afford to just dip your toe in and allow yourself to take a game or two to find your rhythm. You gotta, you gotta get back, and you gotta get going tonight, uh, because tonight sets up tomorrow night in Calgary, and then you've got the games uh, next week against LA, Colorado, and then uh, the San Jose Sharks. When when Pete talks about a critical stretch and critical points, like these five games that have been moved into this period uh, are are huge for the Golden Knights, and it's it's also a bit of an advantage because there's some teams around the league. 
where, where they're just crammed in to this three-week uh, space that the National Hockey League yep. is going to use up uh, to, to try and make up the 100 or so games that were postponed. Vegas is going to play five. And they, they come off the All-Star break tonight, and they'll play back-to-back. And then they got a few days off, and then they'll play uh, on the, the 16th, 18th, and the 20th against Los Angeles, Colorado, and, and uh, the, the San Jose Sharks. And then they'll have an, an, another few days off. It's there's a lot of downtime, a lot more than any time that you'd ever see in a in a rhythm of, of the National Hockey League season. So it's set up pretty good if if you want to say we're going to be fresh, but you also have to take advantage of that freshness. It's even tonight, and it's even tomorrow as as both teams are, are coming off All Star breaks with with Edmonton and Calgary. But you pile up uh, a couple of points on this trip and it sets you up pretty good for next week. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and, you know, for the Golden Knights, it, it's been something of, uh, of you know, an adventure this, so far this year in, in coming off of some breaks. You, you remember that, that break in, you know, in January between the Toronto game and the Pittsburgh game and, you know, the, 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 the game against the Penguins, great first period for the Golden Knights. And yeah. then uh, the, the end of that, the end of that game, the, the second, third period, the Penguins that really kind of took things over. But, you know, I, I look at it as another opportunity for the Golden Knights to, a, as a healthier team, as a team that is getting closer and closer to what we expected them to be at the regular season, or at the beginning of the regular season, I, I look at this as an opportunity for Vegas to go in and, and play to their expectation and, and, and really put together a 60-minute effort that, you know, you know this team is capable of. And, and they've got to do it against Edmonton. They've got to do it against Calgary because these points specifically today and tomorrow – matter so much more in their race and uh, this season as Pacific Division champions. You've got to take care of the Oilers and the Flames when you have the opportunity, and that, for me, is what really looms large in these two games. And you know the Flames are looking at this, and the Oilers in a similar vein, going, we, we had aspirations to try and push Vegas this year. We're still mm-hmm. in a position yeah. to do that because of the games in hand, but if Vegas rolls through Wild Rose country and picks up four points out of four points, well, that goes a long way towards just putting a, a, some distance between these two clubs uh, when it comes to the overall standings of the, of the Pacific Division. Uh, you could make a case, after all we've talked about in the first ten minutes of this program, about how important the points are to the Golden Knights, Golden Knights uh, the, the points even more valuable to those teams that are chasing, like the Flames, and the Oilers, back to Pete DeBoer. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and, and really, you know, I, I know people talk about us leading the division, but when you when you factor in the games at hand and, and everything else, I'm not sure we are leading the division. And, and for sure, we're in the middle. There, there's a, a large group of us, uh, you know, that are going to be battling it out here down the stretch, including, you know, these two divisional teams here that we're playing. So... I think seven of our next eight games are in the conference and um, you know, we've got a little bit of a light schedule, but it's an important schedule as far as opponents. And, you know, we've got to make sure we're ready to play. So the golden Knights right now, five points ahead of Calgary points, percentage, Mm -hmm. virtually identical, a little bit more of a gap against Edmonton, but more games in hand uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. You, you got to go. You got to go tonight, and you can't. Uh, you you got to play not safe, 
but responsible. And then you got to take care of your advantage, uh, and that is uh, that you have a healthy lineup. And yesterday at practice, we saw Chandler Stevenson come out of COVID protocol. He missed the last couple of games uh, before the All-Star break. He was back between Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. They were a unit. The Misfits, uh, who were outstanding in that game against Buffalo, really good. Uh, in generating chances and then taking care of a couple of those opportunities. And the third line with Matthias Janmark and Nick Waugh uh, going down the ice along with Evgeny Dodonov. And that's you. I don't know what they're going to do with the fourth line yesterday. Uh, it was uh, Brett Howden who, who was centering that unit with Keegan Kolasar. Uh, and, and they were they were skating uh, and, and looked like uh, they were going to be the line with uh, William Carrier. Uh, your options would be putting somebody like Nolan Patrick uh, in and, and giving him a bump up. Michael Amadio also. Uh, we know Jack Eichel's not going to slot in. Uh, I'll be curious to see if they, they stick with that, uh, and, and that would be a real vote of confidence for Brett Howden. But, the again, the, the edge that the Golden Knights have where they, they didn't in October and they didn't in late November is that this team is – much healthier, including on the blue line with Nick Hag returning to the uh, to the lineup. The uh, the last pair will be Coglin, uh, I would assume Coglin and and Ben Hutton. But uh, they're they're going to face Edmonton with their best lineup that they faced them in three games. Yeah, that's one hundred percent correct. And for the Golden Knights, you you have to look to take advantage of that because while you look at the Edmonton Oilers and you you can't really argue with their top end skill. My, my contention is still that the Golden Knights are a deeper club than the Edmonton Oilers. So this is the type of game where if Vegas can play to their standard against Leon Seidel and Connor McDavid, and you can continue to get the contributions that you're getting down the lineup from Matthias Yanmark, from Nick Waugh, from Evgeny Dudov, and especially Brett Howden in the game on the fourth line, that's where the Golden Knights' avenue to victory in this game lies. Uh, Howden has been lights out against the Eastern Fantastic. Conference uh, this year. And can he can he turn that uh, to, to those that are on the same side of uh, the National Hockey League as the Golden Knights uh, play? Uh, we'll see. Uh, one thing to keep in mind, uh, Edmonton has owned the Pacific Division this year. Like, the only reason why they're in contention right now for uh, a playoff spot in the Pacific is they've been able to win those games head-to-head against their division rivals. Uh, they've won 10 uh, of, of the 12 games that they face their rival, and they've been good against uh, the Western Conference. Uh, time to turn that tide uh, around. Two of those uh, ten wins were against the uh, the Golden Knights. But but that Howden, Carrier, and Carrier's been uh, really good, uh, and Kolasar, we, you just go back to that Buffalo game and how impactful they can be. That, that line was really good and accounted for the fourth line anyway uh, for so much of the offense uh, on the most recent road trip. Uh, they've done their job. I don't think it's fair to expect them to do that and continue to do that. It'd be nice. Pete DeBoer would take it. But uh, this might be one of those games where uh, the the big boys uh, have to step up and match the big boys uh, of the Edmonton Oilers. And one of those big boys is Evander Kane. We're going to see our first look uh, uh, at Evander Kane this year after he went through the, the breakup with the San Jose Sharks and was suspended for the first uh, quarter of this season because of uh, violating COVID protocol. And then uh, the dissolution of his contract uh, with, with the San Jose Sharks. Edmonton picked him up for a song, and they, they signed him to a contract for the rest of this year. Uh, from a hockey perspective, 
it's a really smart deal and low risk for potential high reward. You can get into the off-ice stuff and the distraction, and uh, I, can, I can buy into that it was uh, much riskier if you incorporate that. But if you're just talking on the ice, goals, assists, and wins, then I think Evander Kane has the potential to really help uh, the Edmonton Oilers. He's going to skate in that top line with Connor McDavid. He's got three points in three games with Connor McDavid, uh, and that's an element that, that Vegas hasn't had to deal with uh, facing Edmonton in the past. Uh, a, a lot more uh, just muscle uh, behind that, that top line, uh, animosity. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they'll, they'll, they're, there's going to be the same type of uh, edge uh, in this game against Evander Kane as we've seen in the past because there's no Ryan Reeves, but uh, I don't discount the fact that uh, that Evander Kane is going to help the Edmonton Oilers and Vegas is going to have to uh, raise the level of their game physically uh, because he loves going to the front of the net uh, to try and stop him from getting there. I mean, we had this this big, long philosophical discussion about the Edmonton Oilers of what does this team need to do in order to turn things around. I always argued goaltending. You argued find somebody to play with Connor McDavid that isn't Leon Dreisaitl. And so in Evander Kane, what the Edmonton Oilers' early returns are looking like is a player that has the hockey IQ, the smarts on the ice, and the raw talent to play with and excel next to Connor McDavid. Two goals and assist, three points in three games for Evander Kane, also 15 hits. There's the bite, there's the element, there's the physicality that I think has kind of been missing from maybe the line with Connor McDavid. So you add all of those things together, you know that Evander Kane... Uh, is just one of those players that puts the puck in the back of the net. You add that onto a line with Connor McDavid, all of a sudden it's not just one-dimensional. It's not what is going to do. It's what can these two players do in tandem that can get you some space and open some things up, and that's what makes it inherently more dangerous. Edmonton has two of the best players in the world, and they have two MVPs on their team. Mm -hmm. And the Mm -hmm. most confident player in their dressing room is not one of those two players. The player with the most swagger in their dressing room is not one of those two players. It's Evander Kane. And the the impact of him on the ice, bringing the fight, and sometimes it's across the line. And there's certainly cases where, where we've witnessed that firsthand. But Kenny Holland had three choices. Make a change of coach, bring in a goaltender, or do something else with a trade he didn't even make a trade he 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 went outside the box of what we all saw and and that's uh evander kane now it could still blow up and until their very last game this year people will be wondering if it's the right decision but Mm -hmm. it makes them tougher to play against uh tonight uh against the uh the vegas golden knights than it was before i'm curious to watch it uh with because they haven't exactly I – mean, they played a, a game against the Washington Capitals. Oh, we didn't play that game. It wasn't best on best. That was one of the three games that Evander Kane has, has played. Uh, this this will be the, the biggest test so far in his young and short time uh, with, with the with the Edmonton Oilers. One, I'm curious to see whether there's any spillover from uh, the rivalry between himself. Was it a rivalry against San Jose or was it a rivalry against San Jose and Evander Kane? Uh, we'll we'll see a, a little bit more of, of that tonight, uh, but uh, also just with Vegas, with uh, as as healthy as they are right now, and and getting healthier, 
whether Vegas uh, and because they've been really good when they've been pushed, Ryan. When 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 mm-hmm. Vegas went out on that road trip, Pete DeBoer said we got to raise the level, we got to be much better, and they were. There's been a few cases of that this year. Uh, this is one of those times where I I think Vegas is in one of those um, evaluation periods against good teams, and I'm I'm excited about seeing what's going to happen tonight uh, on, on both sides of this team. Almost not not one of those swing games in a season. Uh, I'm not going to judge everything uh, on this game, but I, I think this is a game in which the players really look forward to playing uh, because of all the different nuances to the to the contest. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I think that the the mindset is is shifting now for the Golden Knights. Like you're you're looking at the back half of the season. You're looking at kind of the the finish line becoming something that's tangible on the horizon. You're looking at Jack Eichel, when he's going to be activated, what that's going to look like for the Golden Knights. I think that this this back half of the season, things are going to ratchet up just in terms of intensity because you want to get yourself ready to go for the playoffs. And, you know, for that very reason, this is your first opportunity to really put your best foot forward. I think the Golden Knights are going to be good tonight. Never mind the fact that if if Edmonton gets into a wild card spot, what if they stay there? Mm -hmm. They, they get into wild card one, wild card two. That could set up a first-round series between these two. And we're expecting Vegas to be able to uh, distance themselves from the L.A.s and the Anaheims uh, when they're healthy and when they add Martinez when he comes back, when they add Jack Eichel uh, when he's ready to go, when they add Zach Whitecloud uh, to, the, to the fold. This is... This is the narrative that we'll be talking about is the season series. No, it didn't play out uh, the way the Minnesota Wild wanted it to a year ago in that first round Mm -hmm. series. But I think it takes on a little bit extra uh, of louder voice when it's coming from Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Duncan Keith and Evander Kane and Mike Smith or Mika Koskinen, whoever ends up uh, playing goal. I think there's a, a little bit extra oomph coming from, from the Oilers uh, than there was from Kirill Kaprizov and the, the teams that, that came before with, with the Minnesota Wild. So uh, just just from a, uh, a bigger picture perspective, uh, Vegas dropped the two games at, at T-Mobile against Edmonton. Played okay, given the lineup, but it's 2-0 two, two and oh for Edmonton. This when we're getting set for a playoff series, first round, second round uh, of the playoffs, or uh, third round if, if there's a crossover uh, factor, uh, I, I think this is, uh, from a confidence perspective, it, it just changes the narrative, Ryan. You, you don't have to go into it going, ah, you lost three or four. You, you, you change that right now. Uh, you get a win and you have a chance to split the uh, season series. Yeah, I, I do think that that's, that's important for the Golden Knights. Again, it, it's one of those situations where you, as you've done a really good job, Darren, it's essentially been three separate, three different, distinctly different Golden Knights yeah. teams that have played in these three games against the Edmonton Oilers. But the fact of the matter is this is the type of team right now that's going to take the ice tonight that the Golden Knights were expecting to have all year long. So that being said, this is one of those games where I, I think you, you, are, you are really attached to the outcome of the game. You want the process to look good. The Golden Knights process has been fantastic over the last 
five or six games, but you want the result more than anything else tonight. And I think for the Golden Knights, you go up to Edmonton, you get two points any way you can, and you start to feel pretty good about yourself. I think there's a bit of a knock on the door of the first line tonight and on this trip through Alberta. Yeah, to yeah, it's fair. To get back going. Uh, Nolan mm-hmm. Patrick was between Pacioretty and Stone uh, for the two games that Chandler Stevenson was out, but uh, they only really they, they got that one game together, and then Stevenson was out uh, when they were on the uh, on the East Coast road trip. Uh, I think there's a there's a factor and a narrative around that line right now that maybe they could they could click it into gear and and start uh, start back to where we saw them earlier in the year. I, I don't know whether you can. It's fair to ask them to be as hot as they were when Pacioretty was scoring every night for seven straight games, and we were calling them the money line. But uh, I'd like to uh, raise the currency value of, of the money line right now and see them start uh, chipping in more. Yeah, I think they'd like to as well. And, and you know, it, it's tough because, again, it's been rotating. It's been, you know, Pacioretty out. It's been Stone out. It's been Stevenson out. It hasn't really been... Uh, a line that's had a lot of continuity this year, but you, you mentioned that hot streak that they had earlier on when you got both guys back in the lineup, Stone and Pacioretty, and it just seemed like every single game they were impacting every aspect of what was going right for the for the Golden Knights. And, you know, with again, with, with Jack Eichel looming and what those decisions look like and where he's going to play, uh, it would probably be a very good thing for the Golden Knights if that top line could catch fire, could really start to uh to to play to the level that they were earlier on in the year and then you you start looking at just how deep this team can be with jack eichel maybe not in that position with the top line with stone and patch but driving his own line alongside of them Uh, i'm excited I'm, i'm really looking forward to this return not just because it's coming out of the all-star break and we're getting going and it sort of flips the switch towards the uh looking forward to the stretch drive and uh we've got the the trade deadline coming up in five and a half weeks uh from now uh which is really uh when when you start zeroing in on on what's going to happen i'm excited about these games because of the opportunity that's in in front of the vegas golden knights if you win what it does to you uh, in the, the separation between these two hockey clubs. You're seeing elite players on the other side, uh, Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Johnny Gaudreau. I'll talk to you about Johnny Gaudreau tomorrow uh, and, and my impressions of, of what he's done in the last little bit. I'll say that. But uh, it's, as, it's as complimentary as anything I can say about Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl uh, right now. This, is, uh, this should be fun. This should be uh, uh, fast, really fast. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be some bite to these games. And uh, the other part is the two games that Vegas lost to Edmonton, you could say goaltending was, was a factor in both. Miko Koskinen was brilliant in both those. He's in yeah. COVID protocol right now. But Mike Smith's uh, coming out, and he's, this is going to be a seventh game of the year. And I'm a Mike Smith guy. You're not. But yeah. you're closer to being accurate in, in the concern that you have for for this guy he's the second oldest goaltender in the national hockey league the oldest right. they just beat in craig anderson uh so mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm not uh, uh certainly not in favor of uh of picking on the old guys being one of them but they got an opportunity <laughs> to, to to uh to shovel aside a guy who hasn't played in, in a month so take advantage of that tonight yeah i mean you, you have to imagine that mike smith's going to be a little bit rusty his numbers have not been particularly good in the six games that he has started this year for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, 
listen, I, I, I still look at the goaltender as being capable of, of having one of those games where he goes back, turns back the clock, and is vintage Mike Smith where he is nearly unbeatable. I just think that those opportunities are going to be fewer and farther between. And for an Oilers team that is giving up chances, uh, that's not a recipe for success. So that all being said, could Mike Smith come in today and be phenomenal? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen it happen before. I'm just not thinking that's going to be the more likely of the two options. You can't let Edmonton goaltending beat you three straight times. You really can't. That would be freaky. Not when they need a goalie. No, no. Although, if... uh, if they do, like, you don't want to be the reason that they go out and acquire a goalie and then you meet them in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's it's almost like a 2-1 two one, two one win tonight would be really good. Like, that's, that's the way that's I would a, draw it up right now uh, because you don't want to force their hand and go, oh, they need a goalie. We can't compete without a without a goalie. And then uh, then you end up facing that athlete in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So we're, we're, we're fired up for this one. The pregame show is coming up at the top of the hour uh, with Ryan Wallace. And then uh, just after 6 o'clock, it's uh, Gary Lawless and Dan Duva who are in Edmonton. We're, by the way, the TV side. We're doing the game from T-Mobile tonight uh, with Gary uh, uh, sorry, uh, Dave Gosher and Shane Knighty and Derek Englund, uh, Darren Elliott, Ashley Weiss. We're all doing it from here inside an, an empty and silent T-Mobile Arena. It's it's just a little reminder that we're not totally through the pandemic just yet. We're doing it because of COVID protocols and going back and forth uh, in Canada. That's why we're doing it tonight. But it's just one of those those different nights where you're in a rink. I love empty rinks, but being inside this one, it's strange. Just Just a little little odd uh when we continue we're going to bring you one timers news and notes from around the national hockey league and don't forget it's a one hour edition of the vgk insider show so catching up with chapman will be one hour earlier tonight you're listening to the vgk insider show on fox sports las vegas maybe a two-on-one petrangelo gets it he shoots he scores it's time for one timers one timers short-handed goal alex petrangelo quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the vgk insider show get into it one timers brought to you by paul powell law more lawyer less fee 34 year old tuka rask will not practice this week as he continues to try to find his rhythm coming into uh, this uh, comeback season in which he missed the first half of the campaign uh, this is the quote from butch cassidy head coach of the boston bruins and this this sounds like something that you would say about me, Ryan Wallace. Okay. Hey, just just keep this in mind. Pretend this is you talking about me on a day that I'm not on the show. Bush Cassidy okay. tells the media he's fighting through some, I don't know if it's medical issues, body issues for his age with the comeback. We'll see how it turns out. <laughs> uh, and I'm not laughing at Tukarask. I'm more laughing at the, the fact that it's uh, the... the the comeback and uh, for his age, he's 30 years old. It's not thing to do with his age. Uh, he is coming off the the uh, hip uh, procedure uh, during the off season, but he's two and two since his uh, mm-hmm. since his return. This has not been what they expected from Tukaras. Not just the record that I expected to take a, take a while, or the numbers, save percentage, and goes against average. But he was shut down before the All-Star break, and he's still not back and is not going to practice this week. Yeah, I mean, I listen, it, it, it takes time. Uh, as you get older, um, 
it takes time to get back to your baseline after any type of injury or any type of surgery or any type of rehabilitation process. So for me, like, it was always to kind of be expected that it would take Tuca a little bit more time and once he started to play games to kind of get himself back into the rhythm of being what we all expect Tuca Rask to be. Um, for the Boston Bruins, I think patience is going to be the virtue here. You, you can't rush these things along. You've got to give Tuca time to really get himself back and ready to go. Pat Maroon has got a new deal. Two-year contract yep. extension with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Million dollars per. Uh, he he kind of likes it. I wasn't sure about the decision to leave a Stanley Cup champion in the St. Louis Blues and his hometown of the St. Louis Blues. But two cups in Tampa and now a two-year contract extension in a tax-friendly state. Good on him, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna play until his his mid thirties. He he might just win five Stanley Cups too. It's ridiculous. Mm, yeah, he's gonna have a chance at it. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm and, and how how about that? Like they they've done a good job with their depth uh, with that organization, and that is a very friendly deal for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Alexander Ovechkin on the ice tonight against the Columbus Blue Jackets. He is out of COVID protocol. Longest goal-scoring slump of his season is four games. That's uh, what's uh, at stake tonight as he tries to uh, end that. It's happened uh, one other time. It's 29 goals. Can he get to 50? It's going to be hard. You know, it is going to be hard, but if there's anything I've learned so far this year, it's that Alex Ovechkin is still Alex Ovechkin. And I look at this as a great opportunity to make a statement in quest to chase down Wayne Gretzky's goal scoring record. Uh, and the biggest statement that Alex Ovechkin can make this year is to score 50 goals. So I think he'll get there. I think he'll just get there, but I do think he'll get it. A Montreal Canadiens just went through an exhaustive search for a general manager to replace Mark Bergevin. One of the names that was uh, very prominent in the search was Daniel Briere. He didn't get it. Ken Hughes did to work under Jeff Gordon. Well, Daniel Briere has uh, landed with the Philadelphia Flyers, played for the Philadelphia Flyers, named special assistant to the general manager. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the Flyers were talking about, uh, and this is uh, more their ownership side, that uh, that Cliff, uh, Chuck Fletcher has a blank check uh, to, to try and turn that uh, team around. They're not in the playoff position right now. It'll be very hard to, to make up the ground necessary to qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, I didn't expect this. Makes sense, though. Daniel Breer is a, is a very uh, bright uh, executive. He's paid his uh, dues. He's done a lot of work behind the scenes in the lower levels of hockey. I, I really like this uh, this signing, uh, even though it doesn't impact them on the ice. Yeah, I mean, I, I think new ideas freshen things up a little bit. Uh, another pair of eyes on, on the situation and trying to figure out uh, what the avenue is moving forward for the Flyers to get themselves back to uh, a position of prominence. Um, you know, I, I think Danny Briere is going to been one of those guys that's that's since he stopped playing he's, he's gone through the ranks he's, he's learned as much as he can um, it, it, the, the business aspect of hockey and you know he, he understands the game and he understands what uh, what a winning team is all about he's been a part of many winning teams so 
Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I like the idea of, of getting another pair of eyes on the Flyers to try to get them out of the hole that they're in. Uh, one of the general manager openings that was filled uh, just recently, along with Montreal and Kent Hughes, was Pat Verbeek with the Anaheim Ducks. Pat Verbeek, the little ball I hate. Uh, he yep. was a, he could just get it done. Uh, whether he's in front of the net, whether he's on a breakaway, whether he's in the trenches, uh, he was a uh, he was a five-tool player that uh, that that had range. Well, uh, he's showing his his smarts in his opening days as running the Anaheim Ducks organization. He's brought in Hall of Fame defenseman Scott Niedermeyer as a special advisor to hockey operations. It can, it's kind of one of those things where you, you hear it and then you go. Why wasn't that already the case? <laughs> no, it's good. It's a, I mean, it's a really good, uh, just kind of a, a, an observation by you because Scott Niedermeyer is every bit an Anaheim Duck as he was a New Jersey Devil, and, and I'd argue he was more important to the the Anaheim Ducks than he was to the New Jersey Devils. Like everything that he did for that organization, in leading to leading, leading them to their only Stanley Cup. Uh, this is the type of, of guy you want kind of hanging around, that you want to be involved with the franchise moving forward. He's such a great hockey mind, uh, played the game at such an elite level that, you know, the fans have kind of an entry point in a way to relate to the franchise with with uh, Scott Niedermeyer in the fold. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. It, it seems like it should have been a no-brainer from day one, uh, but better late than never, I suppose. I'm going to tell you how smart Scott Niedermeyer is. In a sport where, like, you got a lot of, there's some sizzle around here, and he's playing in Southern California, and we go back to 2007 here for this story. It's really easy in Southern California to to want to drive a fancy car, and during that march to the Stanley Cup, there are some nice sleds out in the players' parking lot of the Anaheim Ducks when they beat the Ottawa yeah. Senators in that Stanley Cup championship series. Do you know how Scott Niedermeyer rolled in? In a hybrid. No. You know why? <laughs> why? And there wasn't many hybrids out, so you can you can uh, probably guess what kind of hybrid it was uh, back in 2007. Sure. But the reason why he drove a hybrid is if you drove a hybrid in Southern California at that time, you got to use the carpool lane. So it cut down the, the commute to the practices and the mm -hmm. rinks significantly. So everybody in their Maseratis and their uh, Ferraris and whatever vehicle you want, they're stuck in traffic. And me, me, there goes Scotty, right through the HOV lane, right on by because of less emissions. That, and he could afford all those cars. Instead, he's got the hybrid and he is cruising on through. That, that's a smart guy. That's a great story. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what that's what I bring to the table. Something uh, along that line. So he's he's the only player in hockey history to win the Stanley Cup four times, an Olympic gold medal twice. That's incredible. He's also won the Memorial Cup, World Championship. Uh, the guy's a winner. I just I can't believe. It. I just assumed that it uh, that it was already already happening. Uh, that that he was in the fold uh, for for the Anaheim Ducks. And good on Pat Verbeek. For doing it, and that is a move though, where where you're a new general manager, you make that. If you're 
at the end and your team's struggling and you've got a year left in your contract and you've been there five or six years, seven years, I'm not sure that you're going to your owner going, I want to bring in this Hall of Fame guy and who's a fan favorite uh, to come and look over my shoulder. But as a new manager, and Pat Verbeek uh, has done such great work uh, uh, under the uh, tutelage of Steve Eisman, both in Tampa and in Detroit. Uh, I think there's uh, great faith that he's going to do some good things, but I, I think it's also uh, a smart decision. Both, both those, Daniel Briere and, and Scott Niedermeyer, bringing those guys in. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, when, you, when you're looking at the tutelage you get being around and, and learning from Steve Eisenman, and, you know, especially when you look at it through the context of what Tampa's been able to what Detroit is on the on the verge of, of kind of breaking through and doing, um, you know, for for the Anaheim Ducks, they should and, and their fans beyond just this season, you should be excited. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to tell you that uh, Austin Matthews uh, could return to practice with the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow. There's a scary situation last night uh, when he uh, he banged his head and it uh, it ends up being good. It, it looked nasty for a while. There's a serious concern, but uh, it does. Uh, appear as that everything's going to be fine and they're talking like he, uh, he could be cleared to uh, to practice and maybe maybe play against the Calgary Flames uh, later on this week. Uh, those timers uh, for this Tuesday, February nah, uh, one-timers brought to you by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee. I'm going to say goodbye. i got to go do some TV stuff here. Catching up with Chapman, it's in your hands, Ryan, as we continue on Fox Sports Las Vegas. <laughs> When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Chris. All right. So the uh, U.S. women hockey team, unfortunately, lost to Canada last night, 4-2. to Boy, Canada was so good on the PK in that third period. U.S. had over 50 shots in that game, only two of them able to find the back of the net. Uh... So what that means is that the U.S., they obviously will advance to the medal round and the quarterfinals are set. They will take on the Czech Republic Thursday at 11.10 Pacific time. So in our time, which is great, that's on USA Network. So we can watch the U.S. against Czech Republic. The other quarterfinal matchups, Canada takes on Sweden on Friday, as does uh, Russian Olympic Committee. They take on the Swiss and a game that will... Maybe have some interest in the Chapman household. Japan, winners of the other group that nobody seems to talk about because, well, they're not really a threat to win the gold medal, but they are taking on Finland. That is on Saturday morning, very, very early, 12.40 a.m. our time. But uh, so, yeah, we, we, we watched it last night. My wife and I, she was a bit surprised that, that uh, they had women's hockey in the Olympics. It wasn't something that she had watched before, but when I told her Japan was... Kind of decent, and they had a shot at maybe winning the bronze medal. She got a little excited. So uh, we, we will be watching the rest of the women's tournament, and hopefully the U.S. able to avenge last night's loss against Canada. Yeah, the, the game last night was interesting because it, it was just an inability to get into the middle of the ice, right? Like we, we've talked about this how many times um, within the context of the Golden Knights this year where the Golden Knights have a ton of shots on goal. It's just not able to get that second pass or third pass into a dangerous area for a clean look. And you got to give all the credit in the world to the, to the Canadians in their ability to shut it down that way because they they did get dominated from a puck possession standpoint but they didn't really allow too much dangerous 
Yeah, and uh, one one of the things that uh, maybe a little NHL connection here between Team USA and uh, the NHL is there are two siblings, uh, Amanda Kessel and Jesse Comfer. Obviously, both have brothers who play in the NHL. One possibly on the move at the trade deadline, although he's stuck in purgatory now. And uh, obviously, Jesse Comfer, her brother plays uh, JT, plays for the Colorado Avalanche. How how have the Montreal Canadiens not ascended uh, over the air Coyotes as as the worst team to be on right now? <laughs> you know what? The the Canadiens are losing two to nothing to the Jersey Devils. Dawson Mercer with the goal for the Devils in that one, and uh, boy, there's no nobody ends a bad losing streak the way the Montreal Canadiens seem to do because the Devils have been <laughs> terrible as of late. They got blown out by Ottawa last night, but uh, second night of a back to back, and they're they're taking on. The Canadians and they are uh, up to nothing. So, uh, yeah, you might be right. It might be time we start talking about Montreal as the worst team in the NHL. I think. I, I mean, I'm already there. I'm already there, and it, it's pretty, pretty ridiculous to me. Anyway, I'm going to preempt myself. Pre-game show is coming up next, right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. 